You're listening to the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund Podcast. The CBLDF Podcast was created as part of our ongoing education program. My name is Alex Cox, and in this episode, we go to Seattle, Washington, where this panel was taped live in front of an audience of CBLDF supporters. It features Dirk Wood of IDW Publishing, Ed Luce, the creator of Wovable Oaf Comics, and Josh Vialkov, a writer best known for his work on Elk's Run, Doctor Who, Ultimate FF, I Vampire, The Bunker, and currently Punks, uh, along with a number of other things, which we'll talk about in this episode. As always, with a live recording, the sound quality comes and goes, but I think this one turned out all right. And with that, I will introduce you back to myself in Seattle. The moment I fell for you, I saw stars. All right, everybody, welcome to the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund podcast. This is our first uh, live taping. Everybody can hear us? Everything's good? Yep. Cool. Uh, with me today is Dirk Wood, who is the, uh, what's your official title? VP Marketing. VP Marketing at IDW Publishing. And Ed Luce? Yes, uh, creator of all of comics. Hey, show everybody. Recently, yeah. uh, at the show, in fact, being released by Fanographics in, in a limited quantity. Yeah. Come on up, Josh. And we've also got uh, Josh Vialkov. He's going to join us. Hi. I carry. My voice carries. Yeah. I don't even need a microphone. So it's going to literally vibrate the, vibrate the uh, memory stick and just right onto it. I love it. Um, so let's just, Derek, why don't you talk a little bit about uh, about what you do at IDW, about what you guys have got going on, and uh, oh, give us a quick idea. No one else is going to have time for any uh, <laughs> time I've so, seen your publishing schedule, and you are correct. We do a few things. We're doing right now anywhere from 65 to 80 books a month. Last one. Hopefully, some of you are fans of some of those. You know, we, we're famous for our licensed books, right? So we do everything from My Little Pony to Transformers to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, etc., etc. I think we're known for doing a good job of them, right? Yeah, sure. But we also do a selection of creator. <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah. You know, we do a selection of creator-owned books as well. We've got some, you know, Walter Simons is doing a book called Ragnarok for us right now. It's really cool. And it's okay. super awesome. Yeah, it's so it's just unbelievable. Yeah. That's probably that's one of my top three things we're publishing these days. But thank you. Uh, and then we're, we're also well known for the art books we do, which if I had one here, we could probably kill Alex with it. We, we do the, the artist artist editions. I don't know if you guys are familiar. Sort of pioneered that format, which is original art reproduced. It's basically the short version is saying it's color copies of old black and white material, so it picks up everything from copy stains to masking tape to all the blue lines and stuff. And uh, so, yeah, swing by the booth and we'll show you some of those. But and any number of things that, that doesn't even touch it. But <laughs> but we're here to support the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund and all the fabulous things they do to keep uh, our retailer friends out of jail. I mainly brought Dirk along to fill the awkward pauses when I forget what I'm talking about because I haven't recovered from coming from the East Coast yet. Uh, Ed, show off this book again. This is a great package. I'm going to introduce a little bit. Wobble Oath, you were self-publishing. There were many comics. For, for yeah, for about six years now. Yeah, Yeah, I've been Um, seeing him at shows for a long time. I don't know what you guys can actually see since this is a podcast, yeah, I'm describing his cats and crawling over hairy men and yes. uh, rock music and yeah, 
Uh, it's, that kind of thing. It's, it's one of the funniest mini comics that I had read up to this point. Now Fantagraphics has put it out in a big, beautiful hardcover edition. Why don't you give us the, uh, the elevator pitch here for Wubble Below? Oh, I have so many. <laughs> uh, I try not to offend people with some of them. Go for uh, it. It, it, it's, it's core. It's a book about big, scary, hairy guys and the people that love them and cats. Um, yeah. It's a, it, it, I use it as a platform, almost like a Simpsons-esque platform, to explore all of my interests, whether it's music or fashion, or uh, as I said, the cats really figure into it. I, I use it to kind of explain my uh, thoughts on what their behavior and motivations are, as these like, kind of crazy little animals that we, we live with. Um, but yeah, it's a platform for all of these things, and, and for that reason, I think Fantagraphics is really attracted to it, because it appeals to not just a queer audience and a queer perspective, but also... I get, I get heavy metal dudes buying my gay comic books, so that, uh, it had, it's well, had a bit of a crossover appeal, yeah. Humor yeah. fans like myself. And humor fans, I mean, it, it also gets tagged with the, the gay Scott Pilgrim, which only because of the music and the romance angle, I think, it kind of got tagged with that early on, but I, I moved away from that quickly once I saw that happen, so yeah. How much time in any given issue do you spend drawing chest hair? Oh, God. <laughs> That's the funnest part. I mean, the funnest part, it's the last thing I do. Um, it's my, my reward to myself for making it through all the boring parts of the panel that I had to draw. So, um, and I, the bigger question is how long do I spend coming up with newer designs? Like I try and give each character a different, sure. you know, uh, chest hair design. So, um, yeah. That's, same that's face. me. It's yeah. always the same face. The face, though, is <laughs> very specific. The face, yeah. I actually, if you look carefully at my characters, you can tell who I'm referencing and pulling from, like Bluto and, and Sluggo from Nancy. If you're a, a real reader sure. of comic, a study of comic history, that's where the face is coming from. You know, when you mention that, now that you think about it, Sluggo probably did grow up to be a bear. Yeah, <laughs> in all likelihood, yeah. He started out as kind of a bear child. Sure. Actually, so. mm-hmm. Good fashion sense, too. That's a very okay. good point. That's true. Very dapper. Ahead of his time. Peaky blinders. Yeah, totally. They got it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joshy, you want to talk a little bit about what you're up to? What am I up to? I um, Josh Fialka, everybody. Um, literally, I write uh, two books for Oni Press, a book called The Bunker and a book called The Life After. Um, I'm developing The Bunker as a TV show with Lionsgate. Um, oh, wow. Is that breaking news? No, nah, it's not uh, like it's like it's the worst kind of news in that it sort of kind of got out, but was never like there was never an announcement. It just sort of people know that it's going on. I'm going to so, re-edit this yeah. so that I can say, hey, is that exclusive news for this podcast? Yes. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> nice. um, so I do those two books. One, uh, the bunker is about a group of friends who find a military-style bunker that contains letters from their future selves, telling them that they're going to cause the apocalypse. Um, and they all have to decide if they're going to destroy their lives in order to save the world or be selfish pricks. Um, and I'll give you a hint. Selfish pricks. <laughs> um, and then Life After is about a guy who wakes up in the afterlife for suicides and uh, doesn't know how he got there or why he's there. And he finds himself uh, teaming up with Ernest Hemingway as they move throughout uh, the afterlife to try and figure out why they're there how the hell they get out. Um, and your collaborators... Uh, the Bunker's Joe Bernard, a terrific cartoonist. Who's brilliant, and Gabe Batista Gallo uh, draws the life after. He's also great. And then I have, my other book is Punks, which is from Image, um, and that's with Cody Chamberlain. And Punks, uh, we're actually doing a CBLBF fundraiser issue that I think is in previews right now that's going to be out. Soonish. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's not done yet. By the time I finish editing this podcast and getting ready, <laughs> yeah. it'll be old news. Already yeah. out. Yeah. 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 And it's, uh, what we're doing is, uh, the, the comics, uh, is made with, like, punk rock cutout art. It's beautiful. Um, thank you. 
Um, I have nothing to do with it being beautiful. <laughs> um, Cody actually, like, he has a Xerox machine, and he takes photographs and prints them, and, and Xeroxes them and blows them up and shrinks them down, blows them up, and actually does everything with a razor blade. Um, Old school. Then scans, like and scans it in. I think even the letter, I think even the word balloons he does paper. It's crazy. And then he... Um, and then he colors it and he letters it. Um, I have so little to do with it. It just comes out and it's awesome. Um, but our CDLDF one, we're actually doing every, uh, the entire comics code will be broken in one issue. And we thought it was a funny gimmick and then I actually had to read the comics code and I'm like, oh, what did I do to myself? Which the 1954 comics code has about 65 yeah. points. Yeah. 22 pages? Yeah. Yeah, I do like my favorite is it's, the book is called Punks the Comic, but I think the the CWS special is called Horror of Punks. Hor- the Horror of Punks yeah. the Comic. <laughs> one of the it, points of the comics code in 1954 is you couldn't have horror or terror in the title of a comic. Right. Or on the cover. Because yeah, then yeah. also on the cover just randomly just says terror written on the side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the comics code is a, uh, it changed in 1971 and they, they removed a lot of that. Um, and then in 1985, I think, they changed it again, and it went from being point by point to just being kind of general guidelines, like, maybe don't get so violent. They got really wishy-washy back then. So let's do, let's, this is a pretty casual panel. Um, we've got uh, a pretty wide array here from the industry. We've yeah. got the man. We've got a couple <laughs> of men. Other, other men? Other men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or you're the podcast. I mean, Any one of us could be the man, right? That's true. Well, that's true. That's but true, you're the, yeah. the man in a political sense. You work for the uh, the big publisher. I work for the man. We've got a self-publisher, and then we've got somebody that's done in everything. The, in the middle. Yeah. 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 Josh has written plenty of books for us. But I have. I read yeah. a lot of Doctor Who comics. Yes, it is. Is that true? I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to open up this conversation, but we have some folks here who are passionate about it, so... True. Um, I'm going to just throw that out to the panel here. Uh... Josh, I like it. The first yeah, time. I'm a fan. Have you ever, just if you want to talk about any uh, any kind of censorship issues you've ever had to deal with? Uh, yeah, like my wife's a, a librarian and also a writer for IDW Comics. It's really that's right. she writes my little comic comics. That's right, of course. Um, so my my wife, I've kind of gotten to see that journey of, of how literature is viewed and seen from you know a librarian's point of view. Um, so, I mean, where, where I'm sort of the most fascinating part is that they, what I find is that uh, librarians are actually much more vocal and much kind of stronger um, defensemen Absolutely. and ladies uh, than a lot of the creators. But I think it's it's always sort of awkward for us because you don't want to be like, yeah, it's offensive. Like, you don't want right. to, you, you know, or you don't want to talk about, like, why you did the things that you did. Right. Um, so, yeah, like, I like, I've, I've really gotten to kind of appreciate people standing up and seeing like you know and, and that's the thing is our medium has a power that no other medium has like because it's representational because it's not photographs because you look at those characters and you see yourself and you go on those journeys so that means you can write stuff that's much more on the edge that's much more inside that's much more affecting to the audience than you can in almost any other medium mm-hmm. well one of the things i talk about a lot with with regards to the comic medium and the art form and the way you interact with it is unlike a lot of things it's not you're just not reading words on a page in a sequence you're immersing yourself in the art and you control the pace and you control the immersion so to a certain degree the viewer the reader has as much interaction with how the story unfolds as the creator Mm -hmm. 
Which um, leads to wildly different interpretations or, you know... Absolutely, yeah. Maybe, yeah. But it's also, it, it makes it way more personal because these, like, different interpretations, like, it becomes ingrained with, like, how you interact and physically and, like... Right. You're and willing everything on. onto the page. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. I often look at it in those ways. It's, like, everything that makes it onto the page is there, you know, very purposefully in, in a way. I want you to pay attention to certain things more than others. So I, I get into this game trying to guess at what my readers are into. Sure. And I've thrown that completely out the window um, lately just because, yeah, I, I can't guess that they're going to dote on that one chest hair pattern that you guys are talking <laughs> about um, or something like that. So, yeah. But that's an intimacy that comic creators have exactly, with yeah. their readers that no other creators really have. Um, it's not just washing over somebody like music. It's really a... It's a give and take. We have yeah, to look yeah. at with a novel, like novel is the closest, right? Yeah. But with a novel, you're building the whole thing in your head. Yeah. With comics, you're sharing the experience. Yes. Like, it's literally, I'm giving you some of it, and you're filling in the rest. You know, so, yeah. like, there's a give and take to the medium. And, like, there's a weird, you know, because I, you know, like, I worked at Marvel in D.C., and I'm a huge fanboy for that stuff. Like, I grew up reading it. I love those old comics. And what you see is it's this weird thing where everyone has the nostalgia for whenever they were reading comics as a kid because it was the first time that you were sort of active in a story. So you remember these storylines better than you do, like, you know, Dostoevsky novels. Because we were sort of, you're a part of it. Like, you're right. actively imagining yourself into the story. You know, so all those things have, I mean, even, you know, the stuff that's going on with Killing Joke and everyone freaking out. And it's literally, like, if you read it when you were too young, uh-huh. you didn't get all the things that people were super upset about. Right. If you read it right. as an adult, and that was your first speech, you're like, oh, wow, he totally raped her. That's horrible. Yeah. But when, like, when I was a kid and I read it, I was like, oh, he's a bad guy. Like, that's right. all, like, I didn't know what was going on. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely depends on a million different varieties or, like, you know, what your state of mind is or what your... How rapey Alan Moore is going to be this week. Which... <laughs> so Josh said something I thought was interesting, which is that uh, just a couple minutes ago about talking about librarians being much better defenders than creators. I feel it's, it's the same thing with retailers, which is why CBLDF is an important thing because librarians and retailers are, like, the front lines of actually dealing... You know, they end up being ultimately closer to the final experience in some ways, you know what I mean? I, so I started in retail in like the early 90s, and I'll never forget, I had a, uh, a woman come into the shop and had Joe Sacco's Palestine racked to the very, you know, and like the employee picks up at the front of the store, and she went bananas, you know, as a Jewish person, just saying, you cannot have a book called Palestine for sale, I'm like, you know, what's your name, you know, like, and I was like, hey, you know, actually, I, I feel like it's a fairly objective book, I mean, he's got his slants, but, you know, and I ended up giving her a copy to take home and read, and was just like, come back, I don't want to, you know, we don't want to sell any offensive material here, but, uh, I don't know, I always just thought that was interesting, like, you know, different people's experiences, you know, Joe may have his vision, but, like, is wildly different than, right, before she even looks at it, yeah, you know what I mean, so, um, Let's talk about Wobble Oaf a little bit with this because sure. when, we're, when we're talking about what we bring to the comic, yeah. Wobble Oaf's face, I don't know if mm-hmm. the, it's the audience hard it's small. Yeah. But in a lot of ways, it's a smiley face with a beard. I mean, it's very, uh, yeah, um, I don't want to say simple because it's a very elegant design, but it's, uh, you can read a lot of what's kind of hard to see. Yeah. yeah. It's it's really easy to empathize with this. Throw it to the audience. Anybody <laughs> <laughs> wants to come with them. What what I love about these comics is it's very easy to uh, to empathize with this character because it's just these big eyes and a big smile, and then he's doing these. I don't, I don't yeah, want to say violent. 
occasionally. Yeah, well, know. he has a he had his oafishness kind of uh, lends itself to accidental violence on occasion. Sure, he's yeah. clumsy. He's an oaf in the dictionary definition sense of it. But yeah. um, but no, it's interesting you should point out of the face and the design of it, which was I kind of just fumbled into. You know, the the fusion of the he doesn't really have eyebrows or eyelashes. They're all kind of fused together around his eyes, which are pink and black. So yeah, I mean, in some ways, he is this like. Uh, Design, from a design sense, he has no mouth. It's just a grill of pink teeth uh, floating in a black <laughs> beard, and it, the blue beard has little points on it. I mean, it's such a soup of, of kind of um, influences and, and references from, as I said, anything from old G.I. Joe um, comics that I was a big fan of to um, Bluto to, to Sluggo. Um, he just kind of, I just kind of dumped him out of my head, and, and he ended up sitting on the page, and I was like, well, what, what do I do next with this guy? Um, so that idea of being able to project not only the face but the body type, I think a lot of guys respond to. They have, there hasn't been a, uh, maybe uh, so much recently a big large character maybe outside of Shrek um, who's who's not made in a lead to be either a bad guy or you know some sort of joke. You know the story is actually constructed around him and he's yeah. the lead character. And I think a lot of big guys, regardless of their their sexuality. They're like, he's big, he's masculine, he's kind of owning it. I feel the same way. There are parts of myself I don't think are so attractive. But here's a celebration of me kind of in this book. So He has a confidence, I guess, yeah. is what it's, the, that mm-hmm. it's, you know, I, I love this book. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's an excessive amount of hair I'm like looking at as, as you guys are paging through it. Going, Did it really need all that hair? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but you kind of, the other interesting thing about it is you kind of hit every point that censors really love to go after. Oh, yeah. There's uh, a little bit of violence. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of uh, Satan. Yes. There's a little bit of uh, heavy metal. There's a little bit of, uh, well, there's a lot of bit of uh, queer stuff. Yeah. I was yeah. going to say, I'm not sure if this specific wording from the comics code that would have made my comics production impossible back in the day, but I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty sure it was there and I was horror or terror on the cover. I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And in some ways, it's, it is, I, I am purposely being kind of subtle to get you to look at the cover, and then once most people open it, they arrive at a pretty quick conclusion, oh, this is like a gay comic book. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that doesn't necessarily turn them away. It, it's a, there's, it, it makes no bones... Pardon the pun, but it's yeah. uh, it definitely is, is evident from the beginning. But it's um, this, is, this book is so hairy. There's hair on the spine. Yes, everywhere. Yeah. And there's yeah. a special. I'll chill for a second. There's a special edition version they put out that has a flopped chest hair cover. Oh my <laughs> God. But it's furry on the front and the back. It's just his chest with cats reaching up and and sort of touching him um, because in the book they think he's a giant cat so they treat him like a cat um, so that would, that would be available somewhere down the line uh, it's beautiful and that was Mike Bear from Fanographic Spring Child uh, he, he came up with it yeah. um, Mike's great um, so yeah so you're hitting all of these points that people just love to yank off of shelves but I mean you haven't really encountered a lot of Negative reaction, right? No, not at all. I mean, I had like knock on particle board or whatever. Yeah. I had a pretty smooth run. You know, never had a lot of any kind of homophobic interactions or anything. And I do every show under the sun. I do Comic Con. In some ways, Comic Con is our biggest and best show. I know a lot of indie creators will won't say that. You won't hear them saying it. But you know, I, I purposefully come up with a set of stuff that will. I can't compete with the big guys, but I can sure. definitely stand shoulder to shoulder with them. And I, you know, I have figures and things like that. So. Um, but yeah, never had anybody kind of come up and be like, what is this about, and why are you doing this? And, you know, in fact, I love doing WonderCon in Anaheim now since it moved, because yeah. a lot of big dudes from Venice and, and Long Beach come up, and they just immediately, without context, identify with 
the guy. They're like, that's me. And they, yeah. they mm-hmm. buy a shirt and they walk around with my character on them, you know. And that's in awesome. that sense, I think gender becomes, or uh, sexuality becomes kind of irrelevant. They're just vibing on the guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's, you know, fortunately we're living in an era that's getting better in that regard anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's, yeah. So I think, yeah, I mean, despite some of the, the more, um, the outcry, more sort of religious and conservative outcry around marriage equality and, and you know, queer people's rights. I think that in every other regard, it, everything is more accepting. So I know Fanographics has a history of publishing, you know, queer books and gay books. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So but, you know, maybe not so much uh, recently. I was glad that they were, you know, willing to give me the full-on drugs treatment for, mm-hmm. for my character. It looks great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's a good indication of how far we've come that, like, you can get, like, such a specifically gay character. Yeah, I was told, and it's another thing worth mentioning, I was told my character was too niche. It was a niche of a niche, and I shouldn't bother to go talk to any publishers about it. You know, huh. would ever do it. These are from other, you know, kind of bitchy gay creators. So right. I'll put it that way. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I guess they didn't, they didn't really read my book. They just saw the surface of it. So. Right. It's. I mean, I think the specificity is like is is really charming. I think that that's part of what makes it so funny is that it's like such a a subculture of a subculture of a subculture. It kind of moves around in on itself and expands, yeah. With, uh, has everybody seen the, the Kroll show on Comedy Central? I mean, it, it, he's been doing a lot of interviews this week about uh, ending the show. One of the things he's talked about is there's so many very specific characters that don't really, like the too much tuna guys, or a really specific type of Upper West Side, you know, middle-aged guy. But they're so specific. Like, even if you don't know that type of character, it's funny. Yeah. And I think that this is... I get I get parents coming up saying that's my son, you know, yeah, that's, yeah, my, yeah. that's my brother. Um, you know, again, it's the, the sexuality of it is almost irrelevant. It's just that type, you know, that type of guy people really. Like, he's he's kind of actually uh, he's my uncle Jeff. Yeah, yeah, see, everybody has a lovable <laughs> oak in their yeah. life, and and yeah. I've increasingly been trying to explore the, the what a female oak might be. That's a little bit <laughs> trickier ground. I don't want to insult. You know, a woman who doesn't want to, you know, be called an oaf, you know, in some yeah. ways, like Lady Oaf. I did a drawing of a wrestler who was a Lady Oaf, and that went into um, the Big Feminist Butt book that Alternative Comics oh, yeah, yeah. put out. And mm-hmm. they loved it, and they really embraced it, so that was me testing the waters. It's, yeah, I mean, it's it's a great indication of of, uh, of the world today that, you know, Howard Cruz dealt with a lot of, of bullshit, and a lot of, uh, you know, his books were pulled everywhere, and... He was doing relatively gentle queer comics in the day, but you know this is, that that this exists and people really embrace it. I think is a great uh, watermark. Um, so we're going to recommend this highly. Uh, yeah, right after this, I have to run over. My signing is at three hundred eight in uh, the Fanographics booth, so they don't have very many copies. So <laughs> if you're interested, go at least check it out. Okay. Um, it's also funny that this is coming out at around the same time as all of the massive books, and the, the, the yes. Gigoro Tagame. Yeah. Is, anyone familiar with the Gigoro Tagame work? No. Uh, maybe I should describe it out loud. I don't. <laughs> Talk about yeah, there a need to be a defense fund. I think. Well, in yeah, and it's sort of not you know it's not as controversial. I think, but. Since it started coming, yeah, is it really? Okay. <laughs> it I don't have any context for it, but I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not familiar with it. Yeah, it's, uh, don't go for it. Yeah. yeah, it's it's comics by a guy who, again, it's it's big, burly, hairy gay men, but there's a violence and a submission to it that is almost difficult to look at. They're beautifully drawn. He's one of the most uh, talented makeup oh, yeah. I've ever seen. They're absolutely lovingly rendered, but it's images of people just. 
there when you were talking about savage earlier, violence. Like, yeah, it was a lot of poor sex situations. I would call it. I yeah. don't know if I would call it rape, but it's, it's yeah, some submission too. Totally, yeah, yeah, which is you know a feature of a lot of it's bar manga is the genre. Right, it's sort of a feature of that genre. I think definitely. Yeah, a lot of like wrestling matches that turn into pinning and yeah. sort of. But there's the, there's. Oh, and a lot of nails through things. Yeah, there's a lot of like uh, sort of yeah. profound <laughs> demasculization. You guys yeah. are selling this thing. Yeah, it's yeah. Yeah. Be flying off the shelf. It, yeah. Well, it, it did sell out, I think. Did it? it did, the, I would believe. Current it. version, yeah. the massive book that Fantagraphics put out, it sold out of its book. Well, it's gone. Yeah, massive is a is just kind of an, an anthology of, of Japanese bear manga. It's general, kind of all just, over the map. Too. Yeah, um, but the Gigoro Tagami specifically was. Uh, I, I don't even know where to start with it. Yeah. It's some of the I've seen a lot of really, really uh, amazingly filthy comics, and this one is okay. top of the line. I released a <laughs> yeah, I released a, a compilation of other artists and writers drawing my characters, and I, I asked him, and he said yes, and I said please don't draw something too over the top, and he basically said screw you, I'm Takami, <laughs> and drew the most explicit, crazy centerfold, and I had to actually find a way to wrap it in and on it and in of itself and. You know, seal it so I could have it in stores because it's so over the top. When yeah. I open, when people open at WonderCon, they some people scream when yeah. they open it. So it's spectacular. Yeah, yeah. Um, Josh, you got it. You're talking about punks. You got another announcement that just came out this week with the I legendary. Two. Yeah. I have two. Also, I'm writing. Um, I'm writing Pacific Rim comics. I'm actually I quit work for hire. I haven't done any work for hire in almost a year. Um, and Pacific Rim is the one exception because I'm a huge nerd for giant robots and monsters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I also, what's that? Who is it? Yeah, it's true. Um, and then I'm doing, uh, we're actually doing a 10th anniversary edition of my first book, um, which is called Elk's Run. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. Um, also at Oni Press. Yeah. Um, it's weird. Gosh, it's years. weird that I've been doing this. Like, this is my 14th year in comics. I don't know what I've done. How, did I, how have I gotten here? I remember <laughs> shelving Elturin when I was a retailer, and yeah. now I feel elderly. Yeah, see? Thanks a lot, Jeff. Sorry, man. Sorry. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome news. Um, let's, uh, does anybody have any questions? Let's open up the floor a little bit. We don't have a ton of time, but uh, if anybody wants to know what we're working on at the fun. I have got free stuff. Hold on. I have free stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, look at my bag. It's what free stuff I have. Josh has free stuff. You have to ask a question to get free stuff. Ah, yeah. I have my diabetes testing kit. That one's free. Yeah. <laughs> I have copies of the Punk's card game. We made a card game because I'm oh, awesome. a merchandising monster. Nice. Put the Gene Simmons. All right, I got a question for Alex. So, yeah, what, what is the fund up to these days? Of, of, of everything you're working on, what, is, uh, what are you most passionate about? Or? Well, I just edited the Free Comic Book Day anthology, which is all ages. Uh, with the theme of free expression and, and communication, and I could not be happier with it. I, I absolutely love everything in it. We got a uh, Archie Kevin Keller story about library challenges, uh, a couple of first second uh, titles, uh, Giants Beware, which is a great kids comic. Uh, does your daughter read that one? Mm -mm. Got to grab it for her. Right. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, Giants Beware. We got a Gene Yang uh, Shadow Hero story. Uh, it's it's a beautiful little book, and, and I love it. And I'm super proud of it. And that took up a good chunk of my life in the past couple months, but uh, it was it was worth it. It's going to be a really awesome, uh, awesome title. So, free comic day, everybody look for uh, Defend Comics. We also are now doing the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund Defender, which we're going to have in... These are available for subscription through our website. We're going to have them at shows. Look, we have big stacks of them in our booth now. 
This is a uh, collection of news stories from the website and a little bit of original content. Like this has a uh, exclusive interview with Neil Gaiman, who is a big supporter of the fund. So these are going to be free through comic stores that choose to carry them, but they'll be available, and we're going to do four of these every year. And so we're, we're back into into publications now, and we're doing a lot of uh, work with libraries, which is, as Josh said, librarians are ferocious defenders of free speech. So as they should be, it's it's great to work with them, um, and it's a bummer that we have to work with them so much. But constant challenges in libraries and constant. Uh, Books being pulled off shelves. Palomar yeah. Graphics most recently was pulled from a, a school library. I'm curious to see what happens with this because I know libraries have been ordering it, and there's a dick in it. There's one dick in it, so yeah. <laughs> and it's it's yeah. kind of but it's a very specific big. scene. Yeah. yeah, it's a very specific scene, and I uh, iTunes won't. They asked me if they could carry the book, and then I they I gave them the content they looked at, and they're like, "You got to change that one thing." And I said, "No, I don't. Sorry." Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to tell because some libraries just from the get go when they get complaints they just say, well, put it back. You know, that's what. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, but I, this is sort of, can, sort of candy colored the cover. Sure. I think some people may get it out thinking one it's about one thing and very quickly. Yeah, I, it's, it's about another. I can see that. I think you'll have yeah. zero troubles just about anywhere, with a possible exception being yeah. like a library in the Midwest. You know what I mean? Like I, I can see that happening. Just one. <laughs> yeah. But that, that makes all the difference. Yeah. Um, so what else are we working on? I don't know. You, are there any active cases right now? Anything that... No, no, no. Just the, uh, the Palomar Challenge. Uh, we're, we wrote a letter with the uh, Freedom Reef Foundation and the Kids Right to Read Project and some other groups uh, to make sure that they follow the actual policy set up. Instead of just pulling the book, which you can't really do, they need to follow a series of have an actual conversation with a panel and with their board about what's objectionable in the book and if it actually does need to be removed on mm-hmm. content grounds, which with Palomar is uh, it, it, it is an interesting conversation because there is some adult content, but it's in the service of one of the most amazing comics yeah. ever made. So, and it's in a high school library, so you know I I don't see why a 16, 7 year old should be able to read it. Right. Um, that's when I read it. I'm sure mm-hmm. everybody up here is about the same age. We were probably all reading Love and Rockets at 15 and up, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm curious about everybody out here. So, you know, us as publishers, former retailers, creators, uh, everything we do, it's, it's very obvious to me what's important about the fund. But is there anybody in the crowd, like, what what leads you to come to this room and to learn more about what's happening with the League of Defense Fund? Are you are there aspiring creators out here? Mm-hmm. Is there a retailers? Panel, a panel in this room after us that was <laughs> That's usually what we know what's going on. This is what it's like. I'm a teacher, I'm an art professor at a college. This is what it's like when I ask questions to my students playing Tingle and Tingle yeah. at a time. They're, they're thinking, it's not that they're not thinking. Oh, no. They don't want to see. <laughs> yes, but you're much more handsome than the students, I'm sure. We nice. get. Yeah. Way turned around. There you go. <laughs> so let's do what we've got. Uh, we got about five minutes here. Let's do some plugs. Josh, you plugged your stuff. What's coming out here? Um, the second volume of The Bunker is out in June. Uh, life after the first trade, and we did a $10 only in the direct market version. Uh-huh. Um, that's almost sold out, but you can still get it from your local comic shop. And then there'll be a full price $20 version in uh, Barnes & Noble and Amazon and all that stuff. Cool. Um, and Punk's Creek Paperback is out in like two weeks, I think. 
That's the volume one? Yeah. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Ed, welcome below. Yeah, uh, well, I've, I've clogged this course. Uh, this is, uh, this is, will be available at the Fanographics booth for as long as it lasts, um, 308. Uh, I have my own booth, uh, F13, uh, and, uh, this is sort, it's sort of funny. This is, like, the tip of the spear. I, like, you have this whole merchandise line of shirts and figures. I have a couple figures here, uh, buttons. Uh, I tend to only make from a place of what I buy. Uh, and I don't buy buttons or stickers or those sort of things always, um, but you know, it's that's silly. I mean, those things get consumed at sure. some of these places, so I was like, I'll, I'll print up a, a new button set. So. And do you still have mini comics, the original? I do uh, have like the first uh, uh, couple issues of it, just as a starter. If nobody wants to kind of commit to the, the long, the 264-page, $30 book, then I have some of the single issues. I have a fan art book, which I haven't done before, so I haven't, I, I was involved a little in the Henry and Glenn Forever um, book series. These things are awesome. Yeah, yeah. Those are, that was kind of my first, uh, you know, quasi-fan art stuff. Right. Uh, but now, uh, I think Woke Wolf is a type, a character type, so mm-hmm. I picked some of my favorite oaks, including Divine uh, from the John Waters movies, sure. uh, Ron Swanson from the late lamented sure. Hearts and Rack, <laughs> and his brothers, you know, which were like a kind of last minute revelation on the show that he has three brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's full of that kind of imagery, oaf imagery. Uh, Prince of Voltan from the Flash Gordon movies. Is oh, yeah. oh my gosh. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I have, a, I have a bunch of stuff. Brian Blessed in yep. general. Totally, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not sure where I would start. Yeah, where start. Uh, one book we're doing from on, on the licensed side of things is Gem and the Holograms actually launched this week. That is, uh, it, you know, we've done a good job like My Little Pony. I think we, we've achieved some success with our licensed books because they're good and, and, and our editors do a great job of picking the people like yourself and Dr. Who, picking, picking people that are passionate about it and, and doing, instead of just churning out, you know, uh, an unreadable comic, do great license where and jam in the holograms if you're predisposed you should check that out and we're launching that at the show um on the creator own side i'm not sure that the hardcover is coming out soon but one book i consistently like to talk about is little nemo that uh, eric shanauer and gabe rodriguez and lock and key did that if you haven't looked at the book you definitely should it's um, huge how big is it is it like regular comic size? Uh, regular comic size, although I think we're going to do a slightly oversized hardcover and a slightly undersized softcover for the all ages. Yeah, I think you're thinking of the Little Nemo yeah, yeah. project. Well, that's what I think. We're going to do like, right. there's now a standard of doing Little Nemo books yeah. that are bigger than your car. Yeah. So. <laughs> We, you know, it's not a bad idea. I mean, you know, not that we would reformat things in multiple sizes or anything like that. That sounds crazy. That's yeah, crazy. No. Um, so that's, that's a book. I think the aforementioned Ragnarok by Walt Simonson is unbelievable. I mean, as I've grown up as a child in the like, late 70s, early 80s, you know, it, it's fantastic. What else? All sorts of stuff. Any street date on that EC Volume Two Artist Edition? That actually question. That is a good question, and I'm. I just saw an email about this, and I could I don't quote me on it, but I think it's like in the next two to three weeks. We had we had a little bit of a port issue. Yeah. You may have heard about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's a Graham Angles one going to come out. It's you know what that is. You know what happens with that? I'll be perfectly candid. Everybody's looking forward to that book, but we have deals for so many great artist editions. But there's a constant reshuffling of what's going to come out when based on the availability of whatever artwork is out there. So, like, Graham Engels has been on the schedule for probably two years, but every time you turn around, they're like, we got Jack Kirby, New Gods. And you're like, okay, that, you know, because as much as I love Graham Engels, Kirby's New Gods is going to sell five times the amount, so you put that out first. And it, it keeps getting bumped back because of the sheer insane number of great books. How it's coming up. 
that will definitely be coming. Here, come get a free game. <laughs> That's true. First question. We have a ton of stuff in the CBLDF booth. If you're a member, we have a convention kit, which has a tote bag and a water bottle and hand sanitizer and all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, 1239, swing by. We have all sorts of stuff to give you and stuff the. That's, I think, a lot of fun that we're introducing for this show. Uh, so thanks for coming out. I think we got to get out of here so the next group can come in. But uh, sure. thank you guys so much for being here. And this should be up on iTunes here in the next uh, week or so. I want to thank all of our guests. I really appreciate them uh, sitting on the panel with us. And I want to thank everyone that attended that day. It was a lot of fun. The Comic Book Legal Defense Fund is a 501c3 nonprofit, and we rely on the donations from listeners like yourself to continue the work that we're doing. If you want to support us, you can click uh, on the donate banner at cbldf.org, and there's a number of different options for donating. Another easy way to support the podcast is to go to iTunes and leave us a review. If you don't feel like going to iTunes and want to give us some feedback, you can always write us at info at cbldf.org. Feedback is always appreciated. This podcast and all of our education programs are supported by listeners like yourself and from a donation by the Gaiman Foundation. My name is Alex Cox. I produced and hosted this podcast. The music is by the Django Reinhardt Orchestra, and we appreciate you listening. Thank you very much.